This evening, I think we're going to, uh, I want us to look at the sheep and the shepherd analogies that are often spoken about in the Bible. Um, it's been around, I mean, it appears in a lot of places. Hopefully, it's not new to anyone. Uh, it does appear in, in a lot of famous scriptures, uh, both Old and, and New Testament. We are referred to as sheep. I did uh, some research on sheep. Uh, very interesting. They're uh, somewhat unique animals. They do not survive well on their own at all. Uh, in order to thrive, they have to have someone that will protect them, lead them, uh, and just always provide for them. Uh, you may have heard before that they're not the, the smartest animals in the animal kingdom, and, uh, and that apparently is very true. I, it was said in one place that if the lead sheep was walking and just walked off a cliff, that all the other ones would, uh, would just follow them to their death. Uh, they're extremely stubborn. And, and one thing I think, like, you think about it, if this doesn't sound like some of us, they're very apt to, to make the same mistakes over and over again. Sheep are especially known for their inclination to just wander off away from the flock. And then they become extremely susceptible to, in, in the old days, thieves and robbers, uh, but at any time, predators. And when a single sheep stands alone, he or she is completely defenseless against any kind of enemy. All they can do is run off, and they're slow, they're dead. and That's just the way it works. They're, uh, in the flock itself, there's a great deal of tension that exists between the individual sheep. I didn't know this looking into this, but they're, they're full of rivalry and cruel competition. And they also exhibit a desire for self-recognition. Now, if that doesn't sound like us yet, I'll, uh, I got a few more. Uh, oftentimes, if, if a sheep is wandering and he trips, or if it's just lazy and it's laying on its side and it rolls over on its back, its feet will go straight up in the air and it becomes completely unable, unable to move. Uh, the shepherd himself must not only find the sheep, he must then go roll that sheep over and then pick it up and put it back on its feet for it to function again. Uh, scripture tells us a lot of places uh, that we are indeed uh, referred to as sheep. Isaiah 53, 6 reads that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Ezekiel 34, 2, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. Jeremiah 23, 1, woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Now, there's really no, no true rhyme or reason uh, to those verses other than to show that in, in many places we are indeed referred to as, as sheep. And then David again comes in in Psalm 23, and he says that the Lord is my shepherd. And so there again, that kind of puts us in our place, if you will, that obviously if the Lord is our shepherd, well, then, then we indeed are, are the sheep. And uh, I'm, I'm real happy that uh, there was a... Uh, Twitter, once again, it shows up in the sermon, but there was like this psalm shout-out all week in Twitter, and people were like, put your favorite psalm, and I saw a few people put Psalm 23, so uh, hopefully uh, you enjoy this. We're going to look at the first three verses of Psalm 23. Uh, it's it's kind of like that first stanza of it, if you will, and it simply reads, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides waters of rest. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And this is, this is a, it's a very beautiful psalm. Uh, it's been prayed and recited uh, for centuries, really, by all sorts of people in all walks of life. Uh, if you're in the useless information, such as I am, you'll like to know that if you get on Google and you just start typing the word psalm in the automatic text, Psalm 23 is the first one to show up. And when you hit enter, over five and a half million results come up. So it, it definitely got some uh, wear over the years. Uh, it's, one of, it's one of praise. Uh, it's basically the attributes of a great, if not the perfect shepherd. This is the, this is the description of David himself. Uh, David, who was chosen by the Lord to be king of Israel. These are, this is his description of, of the great shepherd. And he was a shepherd himself, if you remember. So I think it's natural to, to believe that he knew what it to, to, to be a great, if not perfect, shepherd. And so again, what are the characteristics of being this, this perfect shepherd? And it's that he makes the sheep lie down in green pastures. He leads those sheep besides waters of rest. He restores the souls of the sheep. And he leads those sheep in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I, you know, I, doubt, it's, I doubt it's an accident. And uh, if you look, David says, he mentions himself once, and then everything else in that is, is about the shepherd. And it's, it's like a four-to-one ratio, if you will. For one time, me, four times, he says he. And uh, I just, you know, four-to-one ratio, uh, pretty good there. If you look again, it's, it's green pastures. What, what do the sheep need? What do we need as sheep? It's green pastures, and that is to, to be made full or whole. And we'll see in a minute how it, there's an abundant life that goes with that. It's waters of rest. It's peace. I know a lot of us, um, we like to be caught up in the middle of just about everything. Uh, I'm married to one of them. And, uh, and, and there's just times that the, the sheep have to rest. And uh, if you look at the next one, it's, it's here's her, her soul must be restored. There is a restoration that has to happen. It's a full restoration. There's no half, there's no half restoration. And it's to be led on paths of righteousness, but it's for the sake of the shepherd. It's for the sake of our Lord. Uh, we're going to flip way ahead now to John 10, verse 1 through 18. And we're going to look at kind of, of how this works in the New Testament. Uh, this is also kind of a, a famous spot when Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. Just to set this up a little bit, uh, Jesus had just left the temple uh, for some reason, uh, the Pharisees wanted to stone him again, and in true Jesus fashion, he just uh, somehow got out, of that, got out of the temple, and then there's the blind man that he heals, and this is the one, if you'll remember, uh, people ask, okay, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, neither, it's for the glory of God. And so Jesus has just healed this man, and so I can only assume he walked out of the temple, it's a very populated place, I think it's okay to assume that, that there's a lot of people around, uh, not just the Pharisees. So... We'll start with verse 1. We're going to read all 18. Uh, so just follow along with me, guys. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all on his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. 
A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was trying to say to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. For there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down from my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. I really don't feel like I can go through um, all 18 verses tonight. I definitely encourage you to go back and read it on your own and spend some time with it. I'm going to hit a few few of the high spots. Uh, Twice in those 18 verses... And it's really the last half. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And, at the end, it's, and it's a sentence in its own. It's appeared after every one. And it's obviously huge because Jesus is, is like declaring his oneness with God. If you think back kind of how we've, uh, we've been taught over the years, it's, uh, the people at this time, they didn't have the Bible. Uh, they didn't have Psalm 23, but they knew it and they had it memorized. And they knew that first line that the Lord is my shepherd. And I believe that when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, that the light bulb went off to a lot of them, that it went back to that Psalm 23 and, and exactly what he was talking about and referring to. Uh, in both Old and New Testament times, everyone was very, very familiar with the duties of, of the shepherd. They, they saw them out in the countryside all the time, and they were very uh, well accustomed to, uh, to just their duty and role. And so I tried kind of thinking of a job uh, in today's society that, that is a parallel, at least for the illustration, and all I could really think of was a, was a teacher. I know we've all had teachers, we've all had real good ones, we've all had really bad ones, uh, and I think that we kind of know what's expected from a teacher. It's just it's a job that's in front of us quite a bit. Uh, I, th- I think it serves well for at least a decent parallel for this illustration. And if, we, if you look at that word good, when Jesus says good shepherd, the Greek variation, I believe it's pronounced kalos. I'm not sure. It's spelled K-A-L-O-S. And the actual meaning of that word is that there is a certain charm that makes it lovely. And it's thought to, to have a mix of that loveliness as well as a quality of strength and power. And in our day and time, it would be that teacher uh, who doesn't really just show up and educates the students, but, but really gets to know the kids, maybe gets to know some about their home life. Uh, maybe drives all the way to those away football games, uh, just maybe knows their whole family or just really loves them for the fact that they walk through that door and uh, 
especially when you go to college, there's not a whole lot of them. You know the difference in the ones who, uh, who are there just to, for their own research or for their own check or the ones who are there because they, they really love you. Uh, I have a, a, a real good friend that's now a full-time pastor. But before he was, he was a teacher. And I feel like he really embodied this. Uh, he knew all his kids. He knew about their home life. He knew what they were struggling with, not only in the classroom, but outside the classroom. Uh, I remember every year it was a big deal. He'd set up an NCAA tournament bracket, and it would be boys against girls. And he would facilitate that, and and they'd always at the end. I don't know if it was good that he was watching March Madness during class, but uh, that's that's his deal, you know. Uh, But he, uh, he had a party for him at the end. He just got to know a whole lot about him. More than, more than once, he and I would be sitting at a restaurant. It was usually the Chili's uh, on Segan. And uh, he would notice a student of his across the restaurant. And he would secretly track down the, their server and pay their bill for them in secret and then leave. And uh, it just made me think, like, he was a real good teacher in the sense that there was a, a real charm and a loveliness about him. That he really... He did more than just show up and teach him what was in the textbook. And I, I really believe that when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and that variation of the word good was used, that that's the kind of illustration or that's the kind of images that would have gone off in those people's minds when they heard that, knowing that they had the, the full understanding of that variation of the word good. It doesn't mean that he just fed and watered those sheep timely, but, but like again, it went back to Psalm 23. It meant that he, he led them the waters of rest, that he restored their soul. Uh, if, if you look at verse 3, we're going to jump back a little bit now. Jesus says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, this verse, everybody in this room probably has, has struggled with this verse at some point in time. Uh, Every one of us will question, and I'm on this boat, oh, like, oh, is this God's voice? I can't hear God's voice. Sometimes it's for a little while. Sometimes it's for years uh, people struggle with this. And it's like, well, I don't know if I'm hearing God's voice. Or, you know, it's always around a big decision, usually a life decision. Uh, you know, where am I going to school? What am I going to major in before I change it three times? Something along those lines. Uh, and... I've really had times in my life when I've struggled with this when the big decisions have come around, and I really feel like that I make it harder than, it, than it's intended to be. And the best illustration I can give for that is uh, I have a seven-month-old son. He turned seven months yesterday. Uh, you may have seen him catting around this place a little bit. He is awesome, uh, as is all of your children, by the way. Uh, but I'm a little partial. Uh, He's getting to where he responds really well. Uh, if I walk in the room and I call his name, he's getting to where he turns his head towards me. And there's even times now where if I'm not talking to him, but he hears my voice, he turns and he looks at me and he smiles. And if I talk about it long enough, I'll start crying like a little girl up here. It is, it, I don't know if that's a correlation between for his namesake, but if God feels the way I do when my son smiles at me, and when we smile at him, well, then uh, we have got him wrapped around our finger for sure. Uh, but the, the point of that is uh, it didn't happen by accident. You know, uh, 
to an annoying degree, I'm sure, to my son, I am in his face nonstop. I am saying his name over and over and over again. I'm on the floor with him, rolling around. I am hugging him. Uh, I am yelling out for him. We're playing. Uh, when he's trying to sleep, I'm rattling. If, if he's laughing or smiling, he's got this thing where he, when he's trying to go to sleep, he starts laughing. He's like, eh, and he can't quite get together. Well, I just keep rattling, making him laugh. Like, I know he needs to go to sleep, but it's just it's the greatest feeling in the world. But, again, we get back to the point of it is intentional. It did not happen overnight. Uh, even before he was born, I was talking to him. I mean, it was, it's crazy. And so I think you all see where I'm going with this. It's like that. I don't ever stop talking to my son. I get up in the night, and I go in there, and I look at him, you know, and I rub his head, and I'm just, like, whispering to him. It's the same deal with us. That, that relationship between my son and I was created by the Father in heaven himself. And so there's got to be a constant communication. Like, our shepherd is constantly, constantly calling us out. Jesus says, they know my voice, and I call them by name. It is personal. It's not just a random casting net that's thrown out there to catch everyone. It is individual. And I just think that if it's that easy, that, that we have the communication, and what it is, we all know it's, it's the Bible. It's getting in there. It's spending time in there. It's talking to people who you know are in the Word. And, and that is the constant communication that is desired for us to know the voice of the Lord. If you look at, uh, at verse 7, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And it, it's kind of a, that's like a, a cool little uh, story. When, but when I started looking at it and, and just reading some, some commentaries on it, uh, this was very purposeful on Jesus' part that in, in these old days uh, when these shepherds had their sheep in what they called the warm season or the warm months, they kept them out in the countryside all night. They didn't come back into the sheepfold in the village nightly. They found a natural sheepfold, if you will, some type of ledge, cliff, trees of some sort with a tiny opening. And when, when night fell, he, the shepherd would lead those sheep in through that door, into that sheepfold, pin them up, and then he would literally lay down in, and become the door himself. And that anything that wanted to come over him, in or out, had to pass over Jesus when he says, I am the door of the shepherd. And I was thinking, well, that, that's a huge story, you know, but we're not, we're not sheep, really. We don't have that. But we've all been in that situation and that we're, uh, we're getting ready to go do something that we know we really shouldn't do. And we're, the whole time, whether we're getting dressed, we're walking out the door, whatever it is, we have that presence that's like, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. You, know, you shouldn't do that. But we all just walk straight over him. And we go do, do whatever it is, you know, and it, it's, it, it's something that's very real to all of us. If you look at verse 10, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Um, very self-explanatory uh, that it's not meant, there's nothing halfway about Jesus. It's not just, okay, I'm going to save them. Uh, they're going to say that sinner's prayer down at the altar and we're good to go. No, it is a complete restoration of their soul. It is an abundant life. Verse 15, Jesus says, and I lay down my life for my sheep. Of course, we know that, uh, that Jesus literally laid down his life in the sense that he died for us, um, and sacrificed himself for us, became that sacrificial lamb. And so there's an element of sacrifice that comes to the shepherd. So 
So what is, what is the application of all this as we've read through this stuff tonight? And I think that it's important, or it's obvious to all of us, that everyone in this room, everyone on this planet, in every way, shape, and form, in every degree, is a sheep. But I really think that, to some extent, every one of us is also a shepherd. Uh, with the exception, I guess, of people who have just gotten saved, the baby Christian, if you will, all of us are shepherds. And uh, if we're not, there's a good chance that, that we need to, to look in, to step it up and becoming a shepherd. Uh, I think if you think about that a little bit, all of us, whether we know it or not, we have someone that, that, that we shepherd. Uh, some of us have hundreds of sheep. Some of it is maybe just one. It, it could be a child. Uh, for some of us, it could be a parent. It could be a coworker. There's a real, really, really good chance that someone in your community group and that they're probably in this room right now. And I wouldn't look at them because that'd be weird. Sarah. Um, but uh, so if you think about that for a while and you still can't think of anyone, well, then it's, and you're not newly saved, a new believer of Christ, well, then it's probably time again, like, like you looking to be, becoming a shepherd. Uh, don't get weird about it. Don't go tap someone on the shoulder and be like, you're my sheep. Follow me. That's not how it works. Uh, but think about this, that before Jesus ascended into heaven, he looked at Peter and he said, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. In essence, he said, love my sheep. And obviously, of course, this still holds true today. Uh, Peter, Peter is dead. The, the torch has been passed on to us. And, and so... How do, how do we do this? Well, I think if you look at Psalm 23, if you look at John 10, the first part of it, uh, they do a great job, both of them, of showing us how to both be the sheep and to be the shepherd. Uh, just by reading them, and we're going to look at them quickly again, just by reading, you see exactly what it takes to, to be the sheep. If we are to be sheep, we must be willing to be made to lie down in green pastures. Uh, we must be willing to be led to waters of rest to allow our soul to be restored, and we must be willing to be led for his name's sake. And we must, must, must be in constant communication with our shepherd so that we'll know his voice. It's all about allowing yourselves to be led. It it is a, a, a sense of humility, if you will. And then that humility, on the flip side, turns into how you become a shepherd. And it's really the same the same characteristic. Um, you must first be a shepherd in order to be a sheep. And if you don't believe me, just know that Jesus walked on this earth 30 years before he became a shepherd. If it took Jesus 30 years to do it, we are not going to just run into it all of a sudden. You've got to pray about it. You don't just jump into it. Uh, the elders at this church, it's not just like Josh or one of the other elders comes up to somebody and Tabs you on the shoulder and is like, want to become an elder? And you're like, yeah. And then you go off and learn the secret handshake that we do before we go in every night, like the Illuminati. Uh, no, it's prayer. It's the church prays, then the potential elders pray, then other people pray, then there's this meeting, and then there's more prayer and more prayer and more prayer. So you get the picture. It doesn't just happen overnight. And there, no, there is no secret handshake. 
Is there? I hope not. (laughs) The qualifications are indeed the same for being a sheep and a shepherd. We must shepherd in such a way as to make the sheep lie down in green pastures. We must lead the sheep besides water of rest. And we must restore the souls of the sheep. Now, it's not us literally restoring the souls of the sheep, but it's us pointing the sheep to the Father for the restoration, again, for his name's sake. We must be willing to lay down and be the door for the sheep. Okay, now realize that was a symbol for our time. So what that means is that there may be some times when we've got to get in and we've got to pray for these people and we've got to work for these people. And again, we must lay down our lives for our sheep. It's not a literal death. In most regards, it's not. It is a sacrifice for your sheep. And it's just, it's just time. It's prayer. It's effort, okay? And finally, you must communicate with the sheep, your sheep, to where they know your voice. Like, if I'm a shepherd of my child, I must communicate to him so much that if he does not know my voice, my voice, it is his fault. And the flip side of that is true too, that we must be in the word and we must seek to communicate with our shepherd so much that if we do not know his voice, it is our fault. We indeed need shepherds. And this is not... Uh, me bashing the Ring Community Church. This is an industry-wide problem that has always been the case. You will never go to an elder meeting, or I don't want to say never. It is very likely that you are not going to walk into an elder meeting or any kind of church leadership meeting, and they're just kicked back, and they're like, we need more sheep. We're out of sheep. These guys, they don't need us anymore. It's just not the case. Uh, It's always been this way. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And this is what Jesus said immediately after Jesus referred to us as sheep without shepherd. He basically said that the shepherds are few, that the harvest is plentiful, that that we are, but we as shepherds are few. And this is really not a surprise to anyone here at this church. If you look at what has just happened over this past summer, that we had at least three community groups that were geared to shepherding or discipling people really on an individual basis. And, and many, many, many of us signed up for it. And so it's not, this is not something new. This is more really just kind of an encouragement. And band guys, if y'all want to come on up, I'm wrapping up. Uh, so if y'all just want to, uh, just let this serve as, as a encouragement or a challenge, if you will, that we know our role is sheep, and it's there for us, but on the same flip side, it's also there for us to be the shepherds, in that, that we, the very things that make us sheep are what equips us to be a great shepherd. So, uh, guys, we're going we're gonna to pray, and then they're going to sing a few more songs, and uh, just kind of let it, um, you just pray over it or let it sink in. So, let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that, that you have shown us uh, exactly what what you are as a great shepherd, and that you have been that great great shepherd for us. I pray that you would give us all a sense of, of humility and desire to follow you and lead you, for you to give us what we need, Lord. I pray that everyone in this room is um, coming to know you better and closer, and, and in that, they will examine themselves of, of when it's time for them to, sh- to step up and, and pray about shepherding and or discipling people, Lord. And I just thank you for this body, and I just pray 
that we all would go throughout this week just abiding in you. In Jesus' name.